Welcome back to another edition of the Power Podcast. This week I'm joined by Bertie. Hey, how's it going? 40. Bonacera. And him. Yeah, I'm here. And your host Hamish to wrap up the 2019 Eels season. Um, so let's just have a look back from our uh, round one podcast to look at some of the predictions. And there were a couple of hits, a couple of misses. Birdie, 14 wins, spot on. You said six. We got to fifth on four and against. You said we would lose two games at Bankwest. We lost two games at Bankwest. You said Fergo was our best signing. I don't know if we can come down to who we thought our best signing was between them. The, the Sean Lane, um, Fergo, Junior Paulo um, all put their hands up uh, this season. And you said we would be one prop away from making the top four. I think that's pretty close to to, to dead on. Um, but then you had four de- debutants: Sivo, Brown. You said Dunster. Unfortunately, it was Ethan Parry. And then you also had Celesi Fyinga, um, who didn't get a, a rep this year, but played up and down in Canterbury Cup. Ham, you had us finishing fifth. Bang on. You had five players de- to debut, but you didn't specify who. Um, other than Brown and Sivo, and you said Brown and Sivo would be in a battle for Rookie of the Year. Um, Sivo certainly was, but none of us could have predicted Brown's uh, back injuries. And then 40, you had us uh, finishing third. You said Junior Paulo would be the best signing. You said we'd promote Ethan Parry, to which we did. You said Dylan Sivo would also debut, and p- possibly Fyinga would get a crack, but Stefano Atuikimano definitely wouldn't. Um, so that was all correct, but for Fyinga. And then you said Dill Brown would ring, win the double, Rookie of the Year, and, and Dally M, M yeah. uh, Player of the Year. <laughs> hey, if it wasn't for the back injury, he was a complete shoe in Complete. <laughs> well, according to uh, Buzz Rothfield, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Our biggest win was 44-8 to eight against Manly in round 25. Didn't pan out that way, but for some ref bullshit. Uh, <laughs> me, I had us finishing in seventh. Uh, I said our best uh, signings would be Junior and Fergo. Um, I think that's pretty close. Um, but you could also give a shout-out to, to um, Sean Lane too. And then Sivo as well, of course, a shout to uh, Sivo to be the first debutant. I had a four to debut um, with Sivo, Dill Brown, Ethan Parry and Stefano. Stefano didn't get on the paddock. Uh, breakout player of the year, I had a toss-up between – oh, sorry, I had Reed Marnie, um, who certainly was – and Murata uh, Nekore as a shoe-in as well. Rookie of the Year, Dill Brown, unfortunately didn't get that one. Uh, we all said that we didn't think we'd get a State of Origin player, but if there was going to be one, it would be Reed Money for Queensland. That didn't pan out. The other name thrown up was uh, Junior Paulo for New South Wales. Um, none of us had Fergo. Ham said Dill Brown would play for Samoa, um, to which he's now been named in the World Nines for New Zealand. Um, so there were a couple of predictions. Um, some uh, I thought we were pretty on as a whole, pretty close. Pretty to the pretty bar. solid unit, almost top four, I'd say. I think um, we should get our own Fox show now, just, just based <laughs> on that alone. Like you know, I've seen uh, some of the other ones, and they're shocking with their footy analysis. And we basically predicted the future between the four of us. So you know, give us a shot, Fox. Hashtag give us a shot, Fox. <laughs> Uh, jump into some positives <laughs> of the season, um, Birdie. Uh, positives. Uh, we finally got a stadium built. You know, it's been long term coming. You know, um, you got two stadiums this year. Oh yeah, yeah. Tottenham oh, yeah. Hotspur Stadium. Because I was just listening to one of the NFL podcasts, and they they've got the game this week at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. 
Yeah, it's like I followed that more because um, the Spurs Stadium was over. It should have been done a while back. While this one was on course, and but um, it was just great uh, going back to Parramatta because like um, at ANZ it was sort of like not so soulless, but it felt like go to. It didn't feel right. <laughs> and um, <laughs> great analogy, perfect. <laughs> About that Fox show, boys. <laughs> um, just uh, yeah. I, 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 oh, another positive would be um, I thought Dylan Brown. You know, he, he got injured, like he missed a what a fair bit of games for his back injury. But it was great that he came back, and um, he didn't seem like I want to say he wasn't overwhelmed as most rookies would be. But it seemed like he'd be playing like two, three years. Like he's just you look at the first two games and the combination he had with uh, Sean Lane, like those lines he was running, like. You know, Lane was new to the club as well, and it seems like they've been teammates for a while. So, and just the composure. I'm just so glad that we finally got a halfback, and I don't want to jinx him, but we've got a halfback we can build around. You know, para player for like his whole career. So, yeah. Other than that, um, Sivo. You know, who I I think I had um, I don't think anyone had him starting until the trials, and for him now, I can't see us having you know can't have him um, in our team. Like we have to have him now. Ham was on the train early and, and recorded on the podcast as being on the train early. Ham's got a good eye, to be honest. So. Never seen him before in my life. <laughs> they just big Fijian wingers and, you know, they well, It doesn't also well pan going. out. It doesn't always pan out. Like, you just have to look down to the Dragons. Maybe that maybe that's the difference. Don't go to that's Dragons if you're a Fijian winger. 100% or, you know, any other club just come to Parramatta. Forty and Ham, your your positives. I assume they're probably going to touch on similar similar things as Birdies. There are def, definitely number ones in the new stadium. Like they're talking about the big big sound from the west end of town, from the Giants. The big big sound coming from the west end of town was from Parramatta Stadium whenever the Eels played because it was just rocking, especially when you know against against the Broncos, against the Tigers, the Dragons. Less so against the Panthers and Dogs. Um, but, we, you know, just, we lost by a combined three points, though, didn't we, or something like that in those two games? Uh, so No, we yeah. lost by six points in both of those. Was it? I thought Penrith yeah. did this by a field goal. No, 10 to 16 against Penrith and 6 to 12 against yeah, no, Bulldogs. So, so still very still small one margin. Try. margin, and, margin and of, I have to say they were lucky tries, too. <laughs> yeah. But how I digress? Yeah, it's just um, other positives for the year. Um, Moses, I think, just getting back on track, like, because he started off with a bang, um, in 2017, coming off across from a new club, which, you know, new players usually do, and then last year we saw a, a decline, um, in the halves and in the spine, um, maybe it's just that, it's a rejuvenation of the eel spine, you know, um, you got some young plays in there, Gutho's the oldest at 25, I think. It is definitely yeah. a very young spine. I think it must yeah. be the youngest in the and competition. Then, and like, they all just played. Uh, there were still some brain snaps, and you know that's going to happen because they are a young, a young formation and young players. But for the most part, they controlled, you know, eighty, ninety percent of the games really well. They all played their role. They all they all know their role. Um, they're not trying to play outside of that. They're not trying to play above themselves. They're all just keeping at their level, but doing it at uh, 
it's yeah, staying at their level and in their role, but doing it at a high capacity. Like so, whatever they were doing, they were doing it a hundred percent. Well, yeah, I think that's what I'm trying to get. Across. Yeah, it's it's almost <laughs> like you know to draw an analogy to the not obviously one the one because they're a much more successful franchise, but with the Patriots in the NFL, it's do your job, and they were doing their job. It wasn't always necessarily overcomplicated for individual parts of the spine, but they were doing their job quite well for the most part. And for me, the positives, uh, Bank West, of course. So I I just ran over and I did a little bit of prep for this episode, boys. Oh, you know, first time away. ever. We just don't do of, prep on this pod. <laughs> just a bit of toiling. Um, but it feeds into a, the positive, of course, will feed into the negative. But four-hour games at Bank West, so inside regular season, we had a total of nine games for seven wins. Our average, uh, sorry, a total of 239 of our points were scored at Bankwest and only 128 points against. We averaged 26.5 points. So what's that? Four four converted tries and a penalty goal almost. We yep. averaged 14.2 points against, so two converted tries and a penalty. If you add in our game against the Broncos, we averaged 29.7 points. Ooh. At home, almost six converted tries. No, sorry, five converted tries. Quick math. <laughs> and we only conceded an average of 12.8 points, so two converted tries. And then if you add in our game against the Tigers, which was an away game but played at Bank West, again, 29.72 points for and an average of 13.27 points against. A total of 327 points to 146 yeah, that's double the points scored as conceded if you take all the games at Bank West this season. Not a bad strike rate. That's ridiculous. And it just goes to show that, like, you know, if you're an Eagles fan, get out there because, you know, as much as I criticise Sydney for only turning up when teams win, um, that's what you got to do because, you know, Parramatta are now pretty much expected to win at Parramatta Stadium. And the crowd definitely helps them. You can see them, you know, against the Tigers, against the Broncos. When the when the crowd lifts, the players lift because it's just it's unbelievable. And I can only imagine, you know, when you've got twenty five thousand Eels fans screaming out, you know, what that feels like on the field. So it's it's huge. It can't it can't be stated enough that, you know, this stadium has transformed our football team at home. It's just a way. But we need to pick up our game a little bit. It um. And so that was awesome. I was going to say those numbers also doubly reinforce how important a prospective top four finish is in the future. Because as we discussed on a Discord last week, uh, Bank West or Western Sydney Stadium is eligible for a qualifying final for the grand final. Uh, and if you can get that sort of advantage going one game short of the grand final, that's a huge, huge boost for your prospects to get you know to the big dance. And then just to lead on from those stats, for other home grounds, so we played three home games at different stadiums, two at ANZ, one at TIO up in um, Darwin. We averaged, sorry, we we let in 64 points and only scored 60 points um, in those three games, but we, we, we managed to win two. Is that right? No, sorry, I've got that around the wrong way. Give me one sec. Oh, no, sorry. Yeah, we scored 64 points and let in 60 points. 
had that around a long way. Um, but one, two of those, and one was a big comeback against the, the Raiders up in Darwin. But then we looked to away games. Of our away games, we won one, Sorry, two. Just, just to butt in there, you said about that was ANZ, wasn't it? That's correct. So 32, just... of, those, 32 of those points come against the Roosters, though. So when you look at it, you know, when we play the Sharks and the Raiders, that's still only, what, 15 points each. Yeah, 12 in one game, 16 in the other. So what's that? Uh, 28, points. 14 points, yep. Which, yeah, again, isn't bad. But then you look on to, which is the next part, which is the negatives for this season, is the away record. So d- taking out the, the game, uh, well, sorry, first of all, keeping in the game against the Tigers, which was played at Bank West, we put on 230 points, but let in 285 so an average of 19.6 points to 23.75 against us. And then if I take out the Tigers games, 267 to 200. So 23.75 pretty much stays the same to 19.6 pretty much stays the same. But again, we'd only had four wins away from Bank West this year. Um, other than, sorry, four non-home games other than Bankwest, which was the fifth that we won, um, that we won on the road, essentially. So that's one, two, three, four, five, six games, seven games, sorry, uh, that we dropped on the road. So that's one of the big improvements we need for next year. Um, And obviously, we we lost a couple of big games on the road this year too. 19 to nil at Canberra, 64-10 against Melbourne in Melbourne. Um, and that's not counting the, the final game against Melbourne as well. Sorry, 64-10 to 10 in Brisbane against Melbourne and 42-22 to 22 against the Sharks, 36-24 to 24 against Manly at Brookie. Um, sorry, Lotto Land. But... <laughs> no, you, you look at some of those games like round seven against the Knights. Look where the Knights finished and how they finished. We, I understand they had lost five in a row at the time and, you know, it was all building up and everything. But going by the end of the year... We, ne- we should have beaten them, you know. Same with the Cowboys up in Townsville. Um, I know we just come off a 64-10 drubbing the week before, but that should inspire the team to come back, you know, and look where the Cowboys finished and how they finished. You know, they were bottom eight team. Sharks, I can – shouldn't have been as high, but I can – they were they're still a good team. I think they had Wade Graham return that game. Yes, they did. Correct. The week yes. Before. So, you know, that's a, that's a big occasion for them. 19-0 against Canberra. There was a forward pass call from Kane. It still burns me to this day. That turned it, yeah. It burned me the rest of my life. From the goal line. <laughs> it wasn't forward. It was not forward. It was six again, but it wasn't forward. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I think we were 13-0 down at that time, or even, you know, 12-0. The ball gets out to Mitchell Moses. He's in space. You don't know from there. 19 nil. You need to fix that, but we haven't been good in Canberra for a very long time. <coughs> yeah, um, it's pretty rough. Other than that, though, I can, you know, just looking around at the games. I, th- I think the big blemish was that, that three or four game streak. Magic um, round. Yeah, so it was in the middle of the year against Storm where we got a massive score put on us. Then we lost to a Cowboys team we should have beat. We lost to a Panthers team we should have beat. And then we won against the Rabbitohs. And then we lost real big to the Sharks as well. It was just that five-game period. And I remember on the podcast saying that, you know, 
our season's almost done at this point if we don't turn it around quick smart. And then we come out and we beat the Broncos. We came out, we um, made up a big deficit against the Raiders um, for a win. And then we beat the West Tigers again at Bank West. And that sort of defined the season is where, and I think there was a press conference after that Sharks game, where Brad Arthur said, do you want to be part-time footballers or, or do, do you want to take this seriously? And the boys responded and, you know, they got themselves to fifth. There were a couple of games in there. If they could have played better, they could have finished in the top four. And as Forty was touching on um, before, without finishing in that top four position, you really hurt your chances at a finals run. And you saw for this year's two grand finalists, the Roosters finishing and winning their first round game, uh, a home game. Um, and Canberra, I, I know it wasn't a home game for them in round one, but they beat Melbourne down in Melbourne and then they got the grand final qualifier at home, um, to which they were pretty shaky. But, you know, they got well, their fans got them home in that game. Uh, so that's how important that is for next year and, and hopefully the boys can replicate something similar. Yeah, like, you know, you, you add up a few games there, like the Cowboys, Panthers, Dogs, um, Knights, four wins. I'm, I'm, I haven't got the ladder in front of me, but that pushed up into third, possibly even second there. So, you know, if we're in second, we get a week one game at Parramatta Stadium. We probably win that. Then we move on to week three where we get another game at Parramatta Stadium. Like, that would be massive. Yeah. That would be absolutely huge. So, you know... The goal for next year for the team, I know we're going to talk about this later, it really should be to get a top two finish. And I don't, you know, looking at teams and there's no real external recruitment and no real signings happening in the NRL. We've made one in Regan Campbell-Gillard. And, of course, Wunga Blake's going to have his uh, a full preseason there. But you know, if everyone's fit and firing for the preseason, there's no reason why... We can't make up those three or four games here or there and, you know, bring back on the sh- on the storm drubbing, uh, the Roosters earlier on, um, Canberra, um, Sharks there. You know, make those losses less. There's no reason why we can't finish in that top two. Yeah, so one of the things that I, I was just going to touch on is, is this season, it was a bit of an anomaly in that there were so many teams that just beat themselves every week. Like, if you just look... At that bottom half of the eight, the West Tigers, they were playing with two point something million dollars of their salary cap on the sidelines. Uh, you had the Panthers who just couldn't get out of their own way. Um, Newcastle, um, for all the preseason hype, they're, they're doing a pretty much a, a Browns, or the Browns are replicating <laughs> them. Um, Bulldogs, they're horrendous, but for that late season patch of form, which will give their coach another year and you know, he'll do the same thing next year. They'll play like shit for three quarters of the season and then play good for the last six games <laughs> and get himself another contract extension. Uh, Warriors, terrible. Cowboys, terrible. Dragons, awful. Titans, deplorable. Uh, <laughs> uh, four wins. Come on, four wins. No, just, That's pathetic. The, the way you sort of scaled down to the Titans was beautiful. It was poetic. So I don't know if it'll be as easy next year, um, but having that Bankwest Stadium advantage... You're going to be playing, what, 11 of our 12 home games there. Uh, you should be winning almost 100% of those. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it all. It, you know, people talk about luck of the draw. With the way the NRL draw is set up, because you don't play everyone twice home and away in your state of origin, but also there's injuries. 
there is going to be luck of the draw. And it, you don't know who it's going to favour. You don't know when it's going to favour them. Like, you know, next year we could have Reed, Virgo, um, Paulo, Lane they, uh, playing Origin. As an addendum to luck of the draw, they might add luck of the grand final too after um 2019. To be honest, I, yep. there was somebody I saw post on that at Eels Fair and he said, you know, come back to us when um, we've had a grand final against Manly where they scored off a seven tackle set. So yeah. come back to us when you have something that really fucks you up. Um, <laughs> but yes, luck, luck of the draw is absolutely a part of it. Uh, strength of schedule, injuries, timing, you know, when teams get hot and cold and when you meet them, you know, all those things play, play an uncontrollable part in each team's campaign. But, you know, good teams control what they can control. And that's something that we need to make sure we're on top of. And it's something that we're good at this year for the most part. All right. Well, I think, and the other negatives I wanted to touch on, of course, the injury to Dill Brown, that made a bit of a shuffle um, around the spine, uh, which probably led to a bit of the mid-season dip in form. And once he came back, we sort of went from strength to strength for most of the back end of the season. Um, Other negatives, I don't think there were too many others. We had a pretty good year for injuries, I have to say. Um, other than looking at the the robbery that was the uh, Wentworthville Magpies Grand Final, um, Ham, I, uh, sorry, I think it was Mitch. Um, was it Mitch or was it somebody else posted in the Discord that New South Wales Rugby League said that they made the wrong call for the for the uh, tie up penalty against Ho- against Hoffman? But oh, I never saw anything official. Yeah, that that was That's one of the stupid. dumbest decisions I've ever. Yeah. Raiders come back at us when you get a bloody decision like that. Two fullbacks going for the ball and they and collide they... and it's somehow a shoulder charge. But yeah, I'd... yeah, yeah. That's things are better left unsaid. <laughs> disgrace, absolute disgrace. Um, but you know what, blue bags, we got you twice when you were actually in the real comp. So <laughs> who's the real winner? Uh, God damn. Actually, that's a positive coming out of this year. Is that um, that's the end of the Wenny Premier uh, Partnership in terms of reserve grade? Don't worry, everybody. We've still got the juniors. So if 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 the Wenny Magpies happen to team up with the Melbourne Storm, it's been talked for years. We'll still have the juniors, just like Canberra have their partnership with Mounties. We still get the juniors. So it's all right. Take a deep breath. Yeah, so that is one of the positives for next year, I guess. Uh, I, yeah, again, I don't really see too many negatives in the off season. Um, our roster's pretty much maintained a bit for some, but for some old heads leaving, you know, uh, possibly Tim Manners' exit from from this year and into retirement probably wasn't the best thing. Um, I, I don't know how it could have been handled better. I've, there must have been something going on internally that we weren't privy to. Um, or at least that's my thoughts anyway. And then, of course, the, the other negative was um, poor Kayser Pritchard uh, having to medically retire. Um, but you've never seen a, a bloke. He was like a bloody um, a terrier. So <laughs> it was just um, yeah, unfortunate for, for Kayser. But uh, fingers crossed for those two players in retirement. And do we have any word on, on whether um, the old... Old sloggers going around again next year. Gower. Uh, Gower, I think there was something on his social media. It was hinting at him after the game that they lost in the grand final. I think he hinted at he might be coming back around for another another swing at it. So, 
Well, yeah, with our low second rower stocks for next year, but for hoping some signings uh, in the off-season, it could be a handy sort of addition on that, mm-hmm. um, playing at edge if if required. Well, that's, you know, so we need experience in the squad. And with Tim retiring, you know, you, you need a few old heads around and and whatnot. So, yeah, sometimes you just need two to three 30-plus-year-olds. All right, well, let's move into the next bullet point. Best overall player for the 2019 season for the Eels. It's pretty hard to pull them apart, Birdie. What were your thoughts? Um, I... Oh, shit. He'd been at Manly, been at the Port Orgs. He had an attitude problem, and I thought, really, you know, we're going to give this guy three years. But uh, he proved me wrong. I thought he was brilliant. Like, he, you know, he, he made what close to what 10 metres of tackle. Or 10 metres of run, sorry. Like, he just was hard to stop. He's offload. Um... You know, the, the combination with Dylan Brown and the touchdown great for us. Um, and what surprised me was when they said that he's a leader at the club, you know, for a guy, you know, what, same age as me, one in 93. Like, I thought, for a guy, he's, like, as I mentioned earlier, he bouncing around club to club. Him to be a leader at the club, like, I was actually shocked. You know, like, I would have gave it to Moses, but, you know, Moses had a dip last year and the season before that he was good. So, like, it's sort of, like, even while well, this guy... Completely surprised me, Sean Lane. Might have been the haircut or the hairdo, but um, yeah, it was. Hopefully, he can build up, build off from this, and um, you know, he can uh, start pushing claims that I've been like a top, oh, top tier uh, back rower in the comp. So yeah. Forty, your play for the year is your recording going okay? You dropped out there for a second. Uh, can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Sorry, I'm having my computer decided to spit out some technical difficulties, and I wasn't sure if I was picking up my microphone. Sorry about that. You had some window shit going on in the background. Um, player of the year. Yeah, it's a really tough pick this year. Um, Fergo was on track for being in contention right until he got his ribs rattled. And I don't think it was quite the same player, even when you consider the antibiotics backlash that he had. Uh, but uh, Moses is right up there. Um, Lane Jr. was really good. But um, sort of there were a few errors that crept into Jr.'s game in the back end of the season that probably would have put him just below that tier. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's really hard to go past Mitch Moses. I think the the... the Development on and off the field as a leader in the team and as a leader on the park um, really puts him at the top of the pile for mine. Ham? Um, I think this one can be answered in a few ways. You know, you got, I think I've, across the entire season, I, I, I think it's a tie between Moses and Gutho. Um, in terms of their impact on the team and, you know, how well the team played while they were in it, I think it's Nathan Brown. Like, I just think when when we lost Brownie, we lost that aggression through the middle. We lost a bit of punch, you know. We lost that workhorse sort of thing because Daniel had put on a bit of weight and wasn't the same. And you know, while uh, we added Paulo for some size and everything, and Evans started to come really good. Um, I just think I just think Brown is our best player, and I think we saw that when he eventually returned, started playing eighty minutes. We looked a completely different team other than that. But if I'm going to have to pick one player, <coughs> Tepo Maroa. No, nah, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> I was hoping for more of a reaction to that one. Now, nah, can so. I can I split it between those three? Is that all right, or do I have to pick one? No, you can split. Just split. Uh, that's fine. I'm going to go those three. I just I, they're all for. Different reasons um, why they've got it. Mitchell was outstanding year. You know, 
I think there was a stat: no uh, seven tackle sets off his boot. That's that's ridiculous. Yeah, something um, like fourteen repeat sets and zero seven tackle sets. Yeah, that's that's unbelievable. Um, Gutho, while he doesn't have that turn of speed anymore, um, his ball playing's a lot better. His defense, uh, his defensive positioning is. Um, I think you saw leadership this year from him. Um, and also in terms of his captaincy, you know, a lot of fans have been crying out for someone who talks to the ref. Well, I think after Cameron Smith, Gutherson probably does it the most. So um, we've got someone there. Uh, just he's, he's, he's also a different type of fullback because teams are going for a, a bigger, faster fullback at the moment. He's still that around the middle Searching for second five eighth, really. Yeah, and he and it suits the way we play. You know, we do throw an offload there, and so having him around the middle there, or you know, even when Reed does it <laughs> and we spin the ball wide, you know, we've got we've got space and we've got time. So I think the way Gutherson plays really helps our team, and our team helps the way Gutherson plays. Yeah, well, I think that's the thing. Is I've heard a lot of people speak down about Gutho after the King and the whole contract saga. Um, but, you know, not every team can have the best, you know, top three player in their position. And obviously, I think the top three players, uh, noting that Turbo had uh, a lot of injuries this season, but I still think it's, you know, Tedesco, uh, Turbo and RTS. And then you've got a drop-off to that second-tier fullback. And I think you'd put Gutho in that second tier um, along with some of those other uh, fullbacks, you know, like your Charns, Nickel, Clodstad, who come through this year, uh, your Ponga when he's not on the, the thick shakes, um, <laughs> those sorts of players. Um, but, yeah, for mine, um, player of the year, again, as, as everybody's had a bit of difficulty getting to it, um, our two wingers, they revolutionised our game after we saw in 2018 having no go from the back, having somebody like Makasivo and Blake Ferguson who were just pumping out numbers every week um, and Makasivo getting the um, 22 high, highest um, try scorer this season with the 22. Um, you just have to look on the stats page of NRL and see how many Eels are on there. So Makasivo, 22 tries the highest, Mitch Moses, 25 try assist, highest, Junior Paulo, 59 offloads, highest in the league, tied with uh, Corey Hurraweer and Ira from the Bulldogs, kick meters, Mitch Moses, um, that might be because he was missing a house partner for most of the year in Salmon, uh, stepping up there, 9,413 meters, Mitch Moses, all kicks, most 343, Reed Marnie, most tackles, 1,221 tackles from Reed. Um, but I'm going to fall down on where 40 did. Uh, Mitch Moses would have to be my player of the year for our team. Um, try assists, the, the level-headedness, and something we haven't heard from Moses over his time in first grade, consistency, week to week. Um, he was always about an 8, 9, 10, regardless of win, lose, or draw. Um, he copped a bit of flack for our loss against Melbourne Storm, but I wasn't there to review that probably with you guys, but what can you do when your your team was completing at something like ten percent in the first half? And I, I we spoke about it on the podcast, but I actually liked the composure he showed in the second half early on to not try and go you know full hail mary chase points mode, but try and build themselves back into the game to give themselves an outside chance. And that, I thought that spoke to his development in a way, even if the outcome wasn't desirable. 
And um, on the broken Dallium system, third best player in the comp, if you go on that <laughs> scale. Oh, <laughs> uh, the Dalliums. <laughs> um, yes. Uh, we haven't delved into the Makasivo not getting in the uh, top five uh, wingers nomination because of that broken system. Um, but, yeah, I wouldn't base too many arguments on the uh, Dallium system, noting that I think we, we touched on it throughout the season Uh who was it? The, the thumb Luke Brooks got Dallium half back of the year last year in the team that scored the second fewest points across the comp. Um, but we've always known the Dallium system's broken. Except uh, for when a Parramatta player wins something. Oh, exactly. Mitch Moses was the half back of the year. Yep. And, you know, Jared Hayne was two time Dallium I mean, champion. To be fair, Jared Hayne was pretty, pretty good. Yeah. That's, but yeah, it was, it was all right. It was all right. <laughs> but 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 the system favors you know players, good players from bad teams. I think that's pretty yeah. consistently yeah. shown. And also, you look you look at the you look at the judges there, and you know I think you have Brandy's one of them, Andrew Johns, Matthew Johns, Brett Finch. So they're all spine players themselves. Like who are they going to who are they going to notice? Who are they going to be looking at? Who are they you know going to vote for? Really. They're looking at the halves. Do you, you heard Andrew Johns in um, – we all heard Andrew Johns fucking, oh, it, on Channel 9 for the grand final and his <laughs> um, call about Cooper Cronk. If that was the other way around and Papali had hit Cronk half a se- not even half a second early, he would be crying bloody murder. He would have said it's the worst thing to ever happen in rugby league and Papali should be rubbed out for an entire year. And we know it's true because he's – you know, he's an ex-halfback, and he was a pretty good one. So he's going to look out for halfbacks. Yes. Um, and, yeah, again, the the voting system for the grand final. Um, I thought, you know, White and Serve certainly deserve the Clive Churchill, but when your voting panel of three includes two former grand final winners for the Raiders, you've just got to sort of shake your head. And if anybody watched the Dallium stream far out, it's run worse than a, a local chalk <laughs> the, All the spoiled picks. <laughs> uh, Just pathetic. They were tipping the um, picks like 15, 20 minutes at the award. Oh, sorry. It's so bad. Um, all right. I'm just seeing what else is on our list. Best try. Um, I'm going to go in first. Mitch Moses, first one to open up Bankwest. I'll put some respect on Brad yeah. Takarangi scoring after Makosivo killed a man on live TV. He we saw, pumped a man into we saw a man Birdie, die. What was your favourite try? I, I was going to say Moses because uh, when he opened the Bank West, because if you look back at it, you know, um, it, the ball goes to Eddie Gufferson, you know, the clip, quick thinking, he just runs quickly for the tap, and Moses has to use a bit of sidestepping um, his pace to get away from the first defender. And I was cheering, man, for like, what, 60, 70 metres. I lost my voice. My hand went numb for high-fiving some bloke. I was going crazy. I just thought, <laughs> to set up, what what better way to christen the new stadium, that type of try, and not like a boring, like, you know, overlap try. That was unbelievable. They will never forget. Um, 40, so you've put some respect on Taka's try. Well, yeah, Magasero did all the work, but um, Taka was the, the benefactor of the actual points. I, I think that was just such an iconic moment. It was like it, it was really when Makasivo arrived. Like he'd been, you know, building a little bit of hype, but that was when he arrived, um, and sort of, you know, everyone was like, "Oh, he's not just semi," even though he did a lot of semi-style stuff. But he's like, you know, a pretty damn good player in his own right. And Ham, did you have one? Um, Another one. I think I might throw up his um, Fergo's one against Brisbane, even though we lost that game. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you 
because I actually had to think about this one while you were talking. I, I didn't really listen. I I was in and out. Um, yeah, you can say the Moses one. Like, I was just trying to think of ones that I remembered and like why. Um, Fergo's one against the Dragons where, you know, I think that's because he does the backflip afterwards and that's why I remember it. Um, there was a Moses one opening Bank West. You, you saying the Dragons um, reminded me of a sneaky good one. It was Dill's try against the Dragons. Where he um just completely Ooh, where he burned uh Corey Norman yeah, I yeah. could burn Corey Norman. He completely um, backed himself and that was um for those that had seen him through the rank the junior ranks, that was just like vintage deal. you could also say Dylan's try against the Bulldogs in round two. I thought, you know, that showed a bit of the shimmy and uh, quick pass to Jamin Salmon and then the pass and back. Then explode through the gap back inside. But but you want to talk about putting respect on someone's name, recognizing the name. This is probably my favourite. This is favourite try of the year. Two reasons. Because it comes from someone you wouldn't expect. And two, it was from a Broncos era. And that would be David Gower's try against the Broncos at Paramount Stadium. When a kick was... Just a, a normal kick. A regular kick was put in. And Corey Oates went to pick it up. And he did that toddler thing of when they try and pick up a ball. But they're walking and they kick it away. <laughs> You, you know the one I'm yeah. talking about. You, yeah, you it's like the clown, the clown act where their arms aren't long enough for their, their legs yeah, land so up kicking it away. That's yeah. what happened. That's what and Yeah, you're right. You're right. I'm on the ball right next to the post. That's my favorite try of the year. <laughs> I have to say, one of my other ones that I still have to have Moses up top, but in close running is Manu Mo's goose step try against the Raiders. That was yeah, fantastic. Yeah, that was one pretty good big... too, yeah. Or you could even have one of Wango Blake against the Titans where – you know, we had the ball over on the left, spin it out to the right, get to Manu, and he does that weird offload fling to Wanga Blake. Oh, <laughs> you know, it's a bullet flick pass onto Wanga Blake's chest. That was an unbelievable offload. So was, we had some good ones this year. Did we end up, was it us or the Roosters that still ended up as the, the best long-range attacking team this year? I think the Roosters had more from outside of halfway. Yeah. I think we came second though. Yeah, well, I know because we're usually up there. It's one of the the best components of um, Brad Arthur's attacking strum sort of strategy, is that we're very lethal from our, from long range, and we've improved in the red zone, fortunately, which has been you know one of our weak areas until recently. Yeah, well, I think last year we, in twenty eighteen we forced pretty much close to the top. Man, like we did a Penrith Panthers of this year, forced so many dropouts but did nothing. With Couldn't them. convert the pressure. Yeah. Well. You know, I think that'll change a little bit more next year because um, in the red zone, it's all about how many options you throw at the at the defence. And so for the past few years, our, our middle forwards haven't been that good, so we've always had to rely on our outside backs. And, you know, to an extent we still do because we've got Sivo and Fergo out there, so obviously we're going to play the edges. But now you've got Paulo hitting up in the middle. He's a threat. Kane Evans. Artists started to explode on the board, so you know he's an option in the middle. Nathan Brown, Reed Marani from dummy half, uh, Campbell Gillard coming from next year. Wanga Blake, um, his unrunners line back into the middle there. So you know there's a lot of options there to hold up the middle defence, and so you know I think we'll be I think we'll be a little bit better again um, when we're attacking inside the twenty, especially if we get those shapes right, and you know. We don't always necessarily rely on um, throwing the ball to Fergo or Sivo, but we also use those other options to 
open them up at the same time. All right, off-season goals. Having everybody fit for for preseason is that about the top of it? Uh, sign a back row. Yep. Yeah. Just, build a, just work on our ruck defense and markers. Like that was our our weakest point this year. Like letting in too many tries to props and our yeah, markers I, work just I, doing nothing. It sounds overly simplistic, but Bertie's right. Our issues dealing with them both positively and negatively start from the middle. And uh, I know I said sign a back row, but that's sort of like the the other element there. But we need to cement our ability to play offensively and defensively through the like for the middle corridor of the field. And Reagan Campbell Gillard can hopefully help there. And I posted in the Discord because I was curious because I wasn't once again, and I'll, I'll put my hand up here. I wasn't a huge uh, fan of the Wonga Blake uh, signing at the time, and he went on to prove me wrong. So I went and had a look at what Reagan Campbell Gillard was doing for the Panthers in the back end of the season. And his last six games, he was putting up some pretty good numbers. Um, I've got 174 meters, 143 meters, 104 meters, 85, 92, 129, all off the bench, um, and that that's at a at a per run rate of um, 11.6, 9, 11.56, nine point six, nine and a half, nine point two, eight point six. So he's been pretty productive, and on top of that, he, um, his his defense was either okay or elite. Like we're looking at a, a tackle efficiency of nearly 96 percent, 95 and a half percent, 94 percent. And then you have 85, 86, and 81. So he's doing some pretty good stuff for, for Penrith in the back end of the year. So maybe he can actually add a fair bit to us. And I know if, if BA can work a miracle of Kane in 2019, maybe he can do the same with Reagan in 2020. Yeah, well, we know he's best. We know his ceiling. So um, it's just getting him back after those two broken jaws. And the other thing, obviously, is no injuries from, you mentioned at the start, but no injuries from the um, the rep part. Uh, we've got a fair few eels representing this season. So that's, a, you know, every game is a prospective disaster. So hopefully they can just get back and bring back the um, experience that Junior Paul mentioned mid-season when he sort of pushed for his fellow teammates to aspire for representative honours. And the, the team certainly um, delivered on that challenge. And just before we do get into those international fixtures, uh, 2020 season aspirations. Obviously, I think we're all going to say top four following on from what happened this season. Um, but anything big in there, any other player from our squad that you see really lifting our our fortunes in 2020 um, or I don't know anything else that comes to mind. Um, so like we saw several players make that jump this year, didn't we? We saw Mitchell Moses really take the step forwards. And I think that the entire spine as a unit need to then consolidate what they did there. Um, we saw Maria mentioning it off, off the podcast, but Murata Niakore really carved out a role for himself in that team um, off the bench. And he looked really good in that capacity. Um, I think we can expect more from Wanga Blake as he gets more familiar with the team. Um, but who's? I think the biggest question mark for uh, is not in the team right now, and it's if we can get a back roll to fill Manumau's spot. I think that's that's where my biggest question mark lurks about like improvement for next year. You gotta you gotta look at um the players that not that. So obviously the juniors pushing through, like you look like so Stefano, Oregon Kafusi, you know Schneider. Like Marty should be on his, you know, on his toes. Like he has to put it. If he doesn't make it his own, like, okay, he had no competition this year, like, Schneider can come through and um, do well. Like, even, like, uh, you got Parry waiting for his shot. Like, you got a lot of juniors hung, um, hungry and eager for their shot. And, you know, the players that are the incubants, or what are those called? Um, they've got their, um, they've got to make sure to work on their craft because, you know, if, if they slip up, you know, Brad Arthur shouldn't be, um, be afraid to um, drop them. Not winning, sorry, to reserve grade. 
yeah. Bertie's spitting, spitting some fire on the um the the PM's thirteen rep rep uh, representee. So you think you're, you're you're concerned about it, or you just want to see someone challenge him? You look at it. Um, I liked back in the day when we had Matt Keating, Kevin Kingston. Kingston was putting the pressure on Keating, and like when obviously Kingston left, like Keating sort of like dulled. Like you need pressure, healthy pressure, healthy competition is always good for positions. And you look at the team right now. Locks are the fullback, the halves, the wingers. Right, everywhere, everywhere else. Um, like Marty right now, because there's no competition. Who who else is he back up? Like if he goes down, touch wood, who can play hooker? And you know, like Kurik retired, so we're gonna bring in a new one. Case of Pritchard's gone. Like that's why Marty has to like not say take a, a backward step, but he has to build off it because um, you know, like he's <sighs> I don't know. I I just think it's a big season for him because it'll be his uh, you know second preseason. So yeah, first grades. All right, I think that wraps up. We'll, of course, have an off-season and then we'll see with trials and whatever next year how the team's shaping up and how other teams are shaping up, although knowing pre-season's a lie. Um, and then on to the season will come around before you know it, uh, March next year. Uh, do we know when the, the draw's meant to be released? Is it? It's before Christmas, doesn't it? I believe it's before uh, Christmas, yeah. Yeah. All right, so um, we've had a discussion just before um, coming to air, but we're going to cover the, the World Nines, noting how many eels. So there'll be a podcast next week and then the week after to preview and review the we World can, Nines. We can also review um, the um, PM's 13 game next week because there's plenty of eels in that. True. So coming into that first one, Prime Minister's 13. Four eels named, Nathan Brown, uh, Gutherson, Reed, and Moses. Uh, which will now be televised or at least streamed on NRL.com at 6.30pm this Friday um, and also on Fox Sports, a simulcast um, from what I understand now. Um, so you can actually watch the, the game this year. It'll be against Fiji. Um, has the Fijian team been named yet? I, ha- I haven't really had too much eye out for news. Uh, NRL.com didn't have anything. Fiji Rugby League. Rugby League team. 2019. I don't know. Uh, Fox Sports seven hours ago. That's NRL. I don't think they've, don't think they've announced anything yet. And I don't want to click this link because I'm afraid it's going to order by a video to go onto the podcast. So I don't know. Yeah. Oh, well, in, in, in any event, there's four eels so far. You'd be some uh, to play in Fiji. Um, a couple Kane Evans. Uh, oh, no, a, it's a. It's a um... Oh, it's their native, native in Fiji. Yeah, yeah. sorry, sorry, I forgot about that. Um, yeah. Does that mean as in like not in the NRL? Like what's the... Yeah, so Fijian players that play for like the Nandy Eels and... Oh, that's cool. Um, the Momi Tigers and... Oh, nice. Those are the only two teams I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a raucous crowd, I reckon. It's going to, They're going to be real into it, so that'd be real cool to... to it's the first time it's been televised or, or broadcast, isn't it? I don't think the PMs. I can't remember if they did it on NRL.com last year. There for the was PNG a stream one. last year. It was a stream last year or the year before, I believe. Um, but in any event, um, it's been some nice seeing some of the news. They had um, uh, Nick Lucy was following the team and, and tweeting some stuff out. NRL was t- tweeting some stuff out. And the, the boys going to um, to Mimo, uh, to Sivo's uh, home village and meeting all of his family. And, yeah, you could sign up a couple of those, especially his younger brother. <laughs> He's a fit-looking unit, isn't he? Ham was yeah. talking about this. He's 
about tackers height and, and pretty well built. So maybe maybe we do need to get a, a contractor out there for him. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's good to see the boys uh, traveling around and getting a bit of uh, culture, especially with um, yeah. There's a big contingent of Fijians in our uh, now um, with Fainga as well on the extended squad. So uh, pretty cool stuff. Uh, then on to the Nines World Cup. So only of of the teams named so far, uh, we don't have any from PNG. Um, but in the Aussie squad, the Kangaroos that Moses and Nathan Brown both named, and then for the the Kiwi squad, uh, Nathan Brown uh, named, which is a an obvious choice. Uh, so I think Sean Johnson was named as well, but no RTS. So I assume he's having some sort of off-season ser- off surgery. Um, but hopefully all of the teams will be named by next Tuesday when we go through them properly. But a good shout for Moses and Nathan Brown, uh, a mobile prop, uh, so, sorry, a mobile middle forward with some ball-playing skills. And Moses, of course, um, we saw what he did for Lebanon at the uh, World Cup a couple of years ago. Um, I think. And are we sure if he played for West Tigers in the nines? That I'm not sure of. Because uh, to be honest, I never really paid attention about the Tigers in the nines. They were sort of fodder, weren't they? Did they ever get, yeah, get through to the second round? Yeah, but in any event, he, he, he seems to be a player that would be suited to that format. Um, all right, well, I think that wraps up for the chat about that. Um, and all we can say is a, a positive step for the Eels in 2019 after the wooden spoon season of 2018. Um, but the big test is now is to go on to next season and um, hopefully be fighting uh, up the top of that, uh, definitely making another finals because we can't have a repeat of 2018. Um, I don't think you guys, any, anything else to add? No, no absolutely spot on there. We, we can't allow the momentum of 2019 to be rotted away as we did with 2017 and 2018. I think we're in a better position squad-wise with the young talent that's merged and the good signings that we've made. But um, it's now, and you look at the, sorry, you look at the rest of the NRL and there is a, a spot there. South Sydney are now in disarray because Sam Burgess might not play again. That's one top four team that's already, you know, sort of potentially trending downwards. Canberra have shown, we've seen in the past that it's hard to get back to the grand final. Um, Canberra might struggle in that regard. And then you've got Roosters in Melbourne and Melbourne have their own drama now of Cameron Smith as to whether he's going to play again, even though you probably expect he would. But, uh, you know, the, there is a window of opportunity for Parramatta and they need to seize it. Oh, just quickly, um, one goal that I would like to see for 2020, and this isn't necessarily Parramatta, I want to see the Melbourne Storm play at Parramatta Stadium. They've dodged it, haven't they? They've dodged it for a uh, long time. They've got to get it next year because I want to sh- fucking shove that finger <laughs> up Nas's fucking asshole. They've um because uh, part of it goes back to the way the NRL draws construct. We've talked about this, I think, but um every team has a sort of short list of preferenced opponents, and um Parramatta tend to draw pretty well with the Broncos, with Melbourne, with a lot of the interstate teams because we have a strong contingent of fans everywhere. So it helps with um the stadium numbers. But um I think we've been on on Melbourne shortlist most years, so they're they're due for a round at um at our home ground though. That's for they sure. Do and because and I. Friggin' hope Cameron Smith is playing. And if he is, I want 35,000 Eels fans there. I want him hanging off the rafters, just giving him shit. Just throw stuff at him. Fucking throw rocks, bring whatever you want into the stadium that day. They should, there should be no security that day. Just let him, let everyone in. 
and just fucking give shit to well, Cameron Smith. If he, if, he, if he doesn't end up retiring as a result of all the unfair criticism that he's copping apparently around the NRL due to Craig Bellamy – uh, at the moment, he'll, he should, retire. he'll retire after that game. <laughs> oh, he won't be able to walk after that. <sighs> Reed Marty will knock him out again. So, oh, not actually. Reed Marty will actually return serve and actually do a better job, not just slap someone across the face, bitch. <laughs> All right, now let's go off-season. Bertie, your uh, Tottenham Hotspurs. Oh, um, it's been a bad, bad few. Um, how about your Cowboys? What happened to them this week? <sighs> <laughs> Who would have thought, man? I'm, I'm getting sick and tired of bloody having Aaron Rodgers come to Jerry World. Papa Rodgers. Like he didn't go off, but I just so frustrating. It's just a, a piss poor performance. And GG to um, Green Bay Packers. You know they had ten days to prepare for the match, and you know they ran the ball better than us, defense better. But um, it did, also didn't help that you know twelve hours or 12, fifteen hours before that, you know what he gets knocked out. Like I've been, you know, I've been a bad weekend. Seriously, like all my teams losing it. It's been shocking. And Tottenham getting smashed. Like uh, rugby league, uh, round one can't come quick enough. You know, I need, I need, I need a dub this week. <laughs> Forty. Well, I've got um, my Seattle Seahawks sitting pretty at four and one with Russell Wilson playing like a prospective MVP. But it's unfortunate we have to be playing in the same division that has a four and zero San Fran Forty Nine ers and a four and one LA Rams. With only the Cardinals being dead weight in the rum in the division, so um, pretty crazy in the NFC West. Um, but it's going to be real fun this season. Uh, elsewhere, um, oh, I mean, I don't want to get too political in the podcast, but I'll, I'll give the NBA a rap for standing by the um, the GM of the the Rockets after he tweeted a picture in support of the the pro Hong Kong movement, and then the all the Chinese stakeholders in the NBA came crashing down on the NBA. Um, and on the flip side, you have Blizzard, the company that makes World of Warcraft and associated IPs, who um, ended up uh, uh, ripping away the prize winners from, a, I think it was Hearthstone, the, the card game, uh, from someone from a tournament there because he'd said something pro-Hong Kong, and then banning him and sacking the casters for allowing him to say something on stage. So uh, you, you get this has been an interesting period in the last week because you get to see where the money goes and who's lining whose pockets from um, from China with this whole Hong Kong stuff. So yeah, just on that tangent, if you haven't watched the latest episode of South Park and <laughs> in China, um, do yourself a favour and watch it. Uh, and that was before all of this week. They are crap so came on out. point with the political commentary, the, um, uh, Parker and Stone. It, well, it's over twenty years, isn't it? South Park's been running now. Is that right? Yeah, yeah and they, they still haven't lost their touch. So, yeah, kudos to those boys. And him? Um, well, as you know, the Packers are up four, <laughs> four and one. Yep, you're on, it. you're on it. I am right on top. <laughs> what? what? I said I'm going to support the team. And... Oh, my God. You kill me, Ham. Oh, um, it hurts. West Ham... Uh, just lost their second game of the season against uh, Palace. Would have put them in the top four there, but I think they've slipped down to seventh now. So it's a bit disappointing, but it's before December, so still got time. And for all the uh, professional wrestling fans out there, I know that uh, Venn diagram, there's a huge crossover, <laughs> huge, of uh, people who listen to the Power of Podcasts and watch professional wrestling. Uh, new beginning AEW started up last week and it's very exciting. I caught it yesterday for the finally and it, it's a good one. It's a good one. 
it's proper sports. It's did not we, um, sports entertainment. Did, any, did anyone get out to see the new Joker film? As far as um, podcast reviewers? Oh, I've yet. seen all the memes, though, and how people are going to die because of it. Yeah. I don't <laughs> yeah, understand all, it. Yeah. Uh, the, the old hysteria about media influencing violent, real-life violence and whatnot. I, I is, that seen just, is that because of the – was it Adam Lambert? I don't want to say the person's name, but was it, is it because of the guy that shot up the Dark Knight? Is that the reason for those jokes? I seriously don't understand why there's all these memes about it. Uh, I think – I, it was something about uh, in essentially it was going to empower all the um, incels and whatnot to do stupid shit. So uh, because it's uh, like the Joker was white and oppressed, so they would like uh, sympathise with him. Uh, okay, and I just realised Adam Lambert is um, the singer of Queen, not the. <laughs> the <laughs> shut up, uh, the duck. <laughs> <laughs> My apologies to Adam Lambert. That is slander. Serial killer. <laughs> uh, take us away, Papa Hamish. <laughs> yeah, and just if you get onto the the Twitter um, and get onto South Park's ones, their official apology to try uh, to China. Like the NBA, we welcome the Chinese censors into our home, to our heart. We too <laughs> love money more than freedom and democracy. Zai doesn't just look like Winnie the Pooh at all. Tune in to the, our 300th episode this Wednesday at 10. Long live the great Communist Party of China. May this autumn sorghum harvest be bountiful. Oh, listen, China. oh, the amount of fucks that those two guys give is just brilliant. Oh, God, I love them. And, uh, yeah, in other off-season news, uh, the impeachment proceedings in, in uh, the United States, which seem to uh, going to be fruitful, Um to which our, our own Prime Minister seems to be on the take, um, noting uh, his roast, uh, recent backing of um, the, the US uh, drawing out of Syria. So, um, yeah, obviously, he might have paid, partaken in a golden shower with uh, a dust Führer over in the <laughs> States. <laughs> um, um, uh, other than that, uh, I was, Packers, yeah, I was wrong when I, didn't want to, when I said that I didn't want the, pol- the podcast to get political. We're, we're, um, we're rolling in at the moment. Uh, Packers uh, up four and one as Ham, uh, you know, lifelong yeah, fan the, touched uh, on in the other big and division, it, isn't it? The NFC North is also killing it. Yeah, well, uh, the NFC, you know, compared to the AFC, <laughs> there's two good. I mean, the Colts probably deserve to be in the mix too, but there's only two good AFC teams in general in the Pats and the Chiefs, and then the NFC is just loaded. It's ridiculous. Oh, I'd also put in the um, the. The, the Bills in the AFC. Yeah, the Bills and Texans are kind of funny because they're flawed but really good at what they do. So they yeah. can they can cause a bit of noise for sure. But we've got to go up against the Lions this week. And Matt Patricia, I'll head to him. He's got the Lions playing like an actual team um, this season after their whole could, existence. Could he be the, <laughs> the one true successful uh, Pats assistant coach? And um, then the MLB uh, playoffs are happening at the moment. Yeah, Dodgers uh, out. Yeah, Dodgers gone. And the um, um, the Astros are up against it now too, going to game five. Crazy. Yeah, well, some, I saw somebody put on like a million-dollar bet on the Astros. Yes, it so. was a yeah, million dollars, like in infinitesimally small odds. Yeah, ridiculous. So <laughs> too much money. Cardinals are tied with the Braves. Um, I think the Braves were favoured to come out of that, so. Um, my my cousin's a bit of a, a Cardinals fan, so we'll see how it goes. I'm not quite sure. I think it's yeah, it's at Braves, so um, unfortunate for them. Uh, but fingers crossed they can get through it. Um, other than that, the 
Rugby World Cup going on at the moment. Yeah, um, going to be hit by a typhoon. Um, so, no one cares about the rugby. I mean, the cool thing about the Rugby World Cup for me was that they converted that baseball field into a into a rugby field by How like, using. How cool was that? Did you see the video of them bringing the stadium yeah. in? Yep. This the whole the whole surface pitch is like on a giant trolley. On wheels, yeah, a giant <laughs> trolley. It's insane. Um, and the blossoms, the blossoms upsets this season. Uh, this this World Cup, sorry, um, they've got a chance of making it to the to the finals. What a crazy roller coaster it, for the blossoms! It's sort of like a shows you how strong home field advantage can be, can't it? It's amazing how often these teams grow an extra leg when they're sort of like a a, a borderline. You know, competitor, and then now they're right in the hunt for the the sudden death component of the World Cup. So good on them. Um, other than that, there's some tests going on. Uh, UFC, as Birdie touched on, the Australians didn't do too well. No. Um, tied to Avasa as well, getting choked out. <laughs> um, I don't think there's much else. That wrap it up. Yeah, I think that about wraps it up, boys. And then yeah, we'll, it's good we'll, to be. It's not going to be a long layoff since we'll catch each other next week for the wrap up from the. PM 13 game and then the preview for the World Nines. And we're hoping within that time there might be some news on the second rower. Um, having absolutely no idea. We've had a million no names, haven't now. we? Tyson Frizzell, Angus Crichton, uh, Ryan Madison. Ryan Madison, Jai Arrow's been thrown out there as not necessarily to us, but as on the market. Um, so there's a lot of moving and shaking to be done. And, and what? Luciano Leilua. <laughs> Luciano. <laughs> um, we we didn't get the Jennings deal done until late December, didn't we? In uh, twenty, what was it twenty sixteen? Sixteen. That was January. Was it? Yeah, January. It was there like New Year's Eve, I think. So yeah. the I mean, you want to hope we get it done before, but with the NRL, there's a lot of moving, shaking that can get done right, you know, deep into the preseason. So hopefully, we're, we we're kicking report. ourselves that we missed out on Hiku. Yeah, yeah, and that that's why, by and large, we should have a lot of trust in what Brad Arthur and his um. Uh, brains trust are doing because I think historically they've shown they're pretty good at you know at the signings not you know not always 100% bang on not many coaches are if any well I think last season just uh, holds that to count all four signings uh, made Tivo uh, Sean Lane uh, Ferguson and Junior Paulo were all hits so hopefully and, that trend continues and, and, and Waka Blake as well and uh, Andrew yeah. Davey was as much as we memed on at the start would end up being pretty good for 22 so they, they did pretty well um, all right, well, we'll wrap that up there and we'll catch you next week on the World Cup edition of the World Nines Cup edition Exciting. of the uh, Para podcast. And um, I've got my tickets, three tickets just for Friday night, 30 bucks each. How good's that? I think it was $70 for the two days. Um, but yeah, me and two of my mates who I haven't caught up with in a while, going to go out. Um, hey, good to well, that's what I said. I, I couldn't do it for two days because, like, the tickets are pretty cheap, 70 bucks for two days. But the amount of beer that you can The auxiliary there, prices, you know, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So it's, what, it's like 20-something bucks for a tray, um, almost 30 bucks for a tray. And you think I'd do about four trays a day at least. Big man. <laughs> it's going to be – um. We'll, 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 do, we'll get the preview done, but Bank West is going to look awesome, sold out, hopefully, for the um, World Nines. And, it's got yep, a, and they've got their designated, designated supporter base. So for if you follow Fiji, if you follow uh, the Kangaroos, the Kiwis, Tongans, Samoans, uh, et cetera, um, you've got your own little supporter base. So I, I'm, I, sh- I should have got us in the, the Tongan supporter base. Oh, that would have been And, and whacked on the red shirt yeah. just to be, just be in the, the thick of it. Um, but we're just going to sit up at the end where I usually sit in the front of the posts um, on the uh, – is it the – 
the the side that's gate D, which is furthest away from the city. The the, the western side, the Fournette side. Yeah, so the league's club side. Yeah, that's right, league's club side. Um, all right. Well, we'll catch you on the next edition. Yeah, of get the into it, boys. Podcast. Bye. See you guys. Love you all. Love you all. Mwah.